trigger warning. This podcast episode contains discussions of emotional abuse, microtraumas, childhood emotional neglect, and the inner child. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Emotional Abuse is Real. I'm your host, Serene Leeds, and I'm so glad you're here. A bit of housekeeping before we get started. My sincerest apologies if any of you have tried to reach me via the hello at sereneleads.com email or via my website, sereneleads.com. Due to some domain issues, it's a long story and trust me, you don't want to hear it. I've had to change the domain name of my website and subsequently my business email. After a few aggravating days, the issue has finally been resolved, but please note that I now have a new website name and email address. My new website is sereneleadsrights.com. That's S-A-R-E-N-E-L-E-E-D-S-W-R-I-T-E-S.com. And my new email address is hello at sereneleadsrights.com. My Instagram, Serene Leads Rights, and my Facebook page, Emotional Abuse is Real, remain the same. Again, I am so sorry to anyone who has tried to reach me via email over the past week or so. Both the new email and the new website have been updated in the podcast show notes. In more positive news, I'm thrilled to announce that as of this recording, this podcast has received over 2,500 downloads. As always, I just want to thank everyone who has listened, subscribed, rated, and reviewed this podcast so far, as well as the kind folks who have personally reached out to let me know how grateful they are that this podcast exists. I'm so honored to know that I am making an impact with Emotional Abuse is Real. However, this podcast still needs your support, and there are several ways you can do that. First of all, if you're a listener and you've been mulling over sharing your story, please don't hesitate to reach out via Instagram at Serene Leads Rights, our Emotional Abuse is Real Facebook page, or via email. A reminder that anonymous guests are always welcome. And if you are a mental health professional or coach who would like to offer your clinical insights, I would love to feature you on the podcast as well. Another way you can support Emotional Abuse is Real is by heading over to Apple Podcasts and both leaving a rating and writing a review. The more reviews we get, the easier it is for people to find this podcast. Finally, you can support the podcast by following me on Instagram at Serene Leads Rights and following our Facebook page, Emotional Abuse is Real. And if you are able, please consider donating to our Buy Me a Coffee page, which I've linked in the show notes. As I've said before, this is a one-woman operation and your donations help fund the podcast's production costs. I'd also like to remind you about my free newsletter. This is a great opportunity to stay up to date on my latest published articles, as well as new podcast episodes. 
Also, it's a wonderful way to stay in touch with me directly, especially if you are a business owner looking to punch up your website, email, or social media copy. In addition to all of my other writing and communications work, I am available to work with you on any writing or editing help you may need with your business copy. Plus, as an added bonus, I send out a free delicious dessert recipe to every new subscriber. I've left the sign-up link in the show notes, and you can also subscribe directly via my website, sereneleadswrites.com. As it's the end of the summer, for those of us like me who live in the Northeastern United States, I wanted to let you know that Emotional Abuse is Real is taking a hiatus for a few weeks. I don't have a set return date yet, but I promise it will be sometime in September. In the meantime, I hope you'll take the opportunity to catch up on all 21 episodes available and perhaps share the podcast with people in your world who you think might benefit from it. On today's episode, I chat with Tina Hamilton. Tina is a teacher by profession, but she has transformed her experience as an educator and as a certified trauma-informed mentor into a thriving career as an inner child healing and parenting coach. Tina has found through her work that many people who have been susceptible to emotional abuse are ones who never had the opportunity to acknowledge and heal from core childhood wounds. It's quite a different episode than the others on this podcast, but I think that everyone, whether you're a parent or not, can benefit from learning how to heal their inner child. And Tina is the perfect person to help you begin that journey. As I say at the start of every episode, please know that I understand the content on this podcast may be difficult for many of you. I've spoken to several people who want to listen to this podcast and who do want to share their stories, but they just don't feel ready to do either yet. I'm here to tell you that I completely understand your decision. As I've done on previous episodes, I am more than happy to narrate your story if you don't feel comfortable appearing on the podcast. Also, please know that it's taken me nearly a decade after my own emotional abuse experience to be able to talk about it so openly. I'm always happy to chat with you over Instagram DM, the podcast Facebook page, or via email. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Tina Hamilton. Hi, Serene. How are you? Um, so my name is uh, Tina Hamilton. I am a mom of two beautiful children, a toddler mm -hmm. and a tween. Mm -hmm. um, and I am an inner child healing and parent coach. Um, I work with stretched thin moms uh, with frazzled nervous systems who <laughs> are ready to transform their experience of parenting. Um, and I help them to learn healthy and simple ways to emotionally regulate themselves um, so that they're able to create a trusting and deeply connected relationship with their children. Um, and the the work that I do is a lot through, um, as a trauma-informed uh, mentor, I work with the nervous system, nervous system regulation, um, mm -hmm. to help moms uncover and heal their 
childhood wounds that they're carrying into their parenting um, and into their adult lives that are showing up and really causing them to live life in the margins. Mm. And we need people like you so badly uh, for many reasons. And there are uh, ways to tie what you do back to emotional abuse. But before we get there, well, first of all, uh, I'd love to hear more about your professional background and uh, how you wound up moving from there into your current coaching career. Sure. Um, So I was a teacher for almost two decades. Um, Mm. And I say was, uh, like I am still not. Uh, I I still still, um, dabble in the education field a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was a classroom teacher for almost two decades. And during that time, I took on quite a few leadership roles of working directly with parents. I ran a parent education um, program in uh, in the middle school where I worked. I also worked closely with uh, new teachers to integrate them into the the school system and how do we how do we support our students in the classroom and um, not just our students and academically, but the whole student uh, emotionally, physically, uh, how do we ensure a safe environment for our kids so that they can learn um, efficiently and effectively? So important. So important. <laughs> it it yeah. absolutely is. Yeah. Um, and it's, you'd, you'd be surprised at um, how many times, you know, that's not the first, the first thing that schools focus on is the, the emotional safety of kids. And you you can't learn if you don't, if you don't feel safe. Um, (laughs) And um, through that work, I spent a lot of time working with parents and helping them to understand how their own expectations were, um, were really limiting their children Mm. and trying to help parents to understand how their um, own childhoods impacted what their expectations were of their children, right? You often hear parents say, like, I just want my child to have a better life than I had. Um, I want my child to have more opportunity than what I had. And what that essentially equates to is putting a lot of pressure on our kids to perform at a very high level. Um, And, you know, that pressure is not good for kids. And also, um, Sometimes, like academically, is not where your kid is going to thrive, but the parents expect like straight A's or or whatever it is. And so, I spent a lot of time coaching parents um, on on how do we uh, connect with our kids and how do we bring out um, the best in our kids through supporting their emotional development. And then I had my my daughter, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and while my education background really supported who I was as a parent, uh, I realized how hard it is <laughs> um, <laughs> and how you like you could be aware of all of your expectations and the pressure that you're putting on your kids and where that's all coming from. But if you don't heal what's underneath and what's driving that, then it really doesn't matter how much awareness you have. Yeah. Um, and so... I started to really lean into my own healing. I came to know it as my inner child. I went, I did my own therapy. I had my own coaches um, to heal what was going on for me 
that my daughter was essentially showing me like she was a mirror to me and and the things that drove me insane about what like her behavior and what she was doing were really pointing um a flashlight into the dark corners of my own childhood uh where i had stored a lot of emotional uh turmoil um a lot of emotions that weren't processed. Um, and that, that essentially comes out in parenting. Um, and then I, I realized that I wanted to really support other parents through that, um, because it's not easy. And I felt that I was having more of an impact out of the classroom than I was teaching math in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, as much as I, I love, um, I loved my middle schoolers and the relationship that I had with them. Um, I realized that I could help them more when I was helping their parents mm. to help them. <laughs> it's not unlike um, a mindset that I adopted a couple of years ago, which was something that was told to me actually while I was pregnant. Um, <laughs> name dropping here. Um, I was interviewing the actress Tashina Arnold, and she reiterated to me the importance of you have to take care of yourself before you take care of the child. And it sounded like such a foreign concept to me. Mm-hmm. And I've learned in recent years how it makes so much sense. And that by doing that, we're not hurting our children by taking care of ourselves first, because we can't be good parents until we're in a healthy situation. And that could mean anything, it could mean so many different things, where we can be the best parent we can be. So I like your philosophy. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So uh, I would love it uh, if you could please expand on uh, the idea of an inner child. Mm -hmm. What is it and how can you best explain it to someone who has never heard of this term before? So all of us have an inner child, um, whether you've heard the term or not. um, Mm -hmm. And whether you're familiar with it or not, you have felt your inner child. So mm-hmm. if you think of a time when someone said or did something that really upset you, um, whether it was a time that you were like overcome with rage or anger or a time when you felt betrayed or even like incredibly embarrassed, the reaction that you had in that moment comes directly from your inner child. Mm-hmm. And so your inner child yeah. developed between the ages of like birth and seven or, or eight years old. And it's the part of you that stores all of your childhood emotional experiences. So mm-hmm. when you're a child, you are completely dependent on your caregiver, right? You need them for yeah. food, for water, for shelter, and for connection. Every single one of those things is needed for survival. Um, and essentially what happens is that subconsciously as a child, you recognize that the person who is taking care of you is your key to survival. And so when something comes up in your environment, you you won't remember when you had a temper tantrum as a two or three-year-old, but if you had a big emotion as a young child and your caregiver turned away from you, in some way, whatever that meant in in that situation. Subconsciously, you realized, oh, when I have this emotion, my connection is threatened with my caregiver. And so you learn that the um, 
that that emotion is not acceptable, that you can't continue to feel that because then it threatens your connection and your survival. Um, and so we push it down. And yes. every time an emotion came up and we pushed it down, basically it's still living in our body. It's unprocessed. Um, and that all got stored in what we call the inner child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, as an adult, every experience that you have is filtered through that inner child. Yeah. That's why when you have two people who are experiencing a situation, both of the people will walk away with a different interpretation of what happened because it gets filtered through their prior experiences. Yeah. Now, this isn't to say that there, there's not, you know, that from eight years old until now that you didn't, you, you're not learning more um, behaviors and, and patterns, but all of your um, experiences in adolescence and in early adulthood being that they are coming through the experience, the the filter of the inner child, you are essentially coloring the experience with your your previous beliefs that you've mm-hmm. developed as a child, yeah. and you are confirming. Typically, what happens is you confirm what you learned as a child, like that core message that you learned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, this inner child piece stores all of the pain, all of the hurt, all of the messages that you received as a child and creates a core wound, right? So that core wound can be, I'm not good enough. I'm not deserving enough. I'm unworthy. I'm not lovable, right? There are so many different core wounds. Um, Yes. And all of your experiences as an adult will circle that core wound. They will continue to come back to whatever that message is, um, whether that's in a um, a romantic relationship or a relationship with your child or a relationship with your friend or your boss, mm-hmm. all of everything that you learned as a, as a child, whatever stored um, and unprocessed in your body will color your current experiences. Yeah. Um, I can relate so much to what you just said, because I personally have done a lot of work in recent years in therapy to, understand my inner child and what what I experienced growing up and it's it it can become a delicate subject because I love my parents they love me there is no doubt how much they love me mm-hmm. and however and I'm seeing this more and more not just with me but I think that there's something about the generations that came before us. And when I say us, I say the Gen Xers, which is me or the millennials. Mm -hmm. And there was just no focus on support and validation. I certainly had to learn how to validate my own feelings. And that did not come until after years and years and years of therapy. Big feelings are an issue. And I mm-hmm. see myself, even though I'm trying so hard to validate my daughter's big feelings, it's still hard for me because of what I experienced, even mm-hmm. though I understand it. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that goes through this. So, and it's so, and like I said, like I'm, I'm saying this and hi, mom, I know you're listening. You know, <laughs> this is not a criticism of you. This is not a criticism of your parenting. Mm-hmm. I actually believe it's, it's funny what you said about, well, now funny. It was interesting what you said about um, 
children uh, about what we want for our kids. We want them to have a better life. One thing that I have been noticing when I look back at my parents and my grandparents and I look at myself and I look at my daughter and my hope, and I don't want this to be pressure, but my hope for my daughter is that she will be a better parent than me because I I absolutely believe my parents were better parents than my grandparents. And I am Mm -hmm. trying to be better parents than my parents. Mm -hmm. So I think that this is a really new concept for older generations, but I find it to be an emotionally healthy one. So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I it you know, it's so true. Um when I first started this this work, I didn't yeah. talk about it with my parents. Um mm. because of that very same issue, that very yeah. I didn't want them to feel like I'm pointing the finger at them like you did this thing yeah, to me. And right, really exactly. my belief is that all of our parents do the best that they possibly can with the resources that they have available to them. Absolutely. They did not and have the kind of therapy and that was nope. all over the place that it is now uh, and the kind of resources that, that, that we have now for our children. Exactly. I mean, well, first, for starters, we have access to the internet. So like we yes. literally can find anybody Any- to support us through our the struggles that we're having. Absolutely. Um, our previous generations, it, number one, like it, that wasn't the focus. They didn't, nope. it, the emotional awareness wasn't there. There was not this talk about emotional awareness correct? Um, uh, and emotionally supporting your children. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'm thinking of like the, the TV show, the wonder years where dad has his seat <laughs> in, in the, in the living room and you don't sit in dad's seat and everybody sits at the same spot right. at the table and like that you don't eat at you don't eat until dad's at the table. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there was there life was very different. And yes. so when I, that's one of the things that I have to work with my clients on is to mm. say like, cause they, they will come to me and say like, I don't have any, an inner child wounding. My parents were great. I had a, a wonderful childhood. Yes. Right. And if you are an adult, you have experienced trauma in your life. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking about a big T, t trauma, right? There right. are plenty of us who have experienced a big T trauma. Yes. But for the people who are saying like, but my parents were wonderful. I had a fantastic childhood. I have so many happy memories. Yeah, absolutely. I am not saying that your parents are horrible people. Um, and there are there is still wounding that you're carrying around because- yeah the expectation on parents back then was not to validate your emotions. It was not to make sure that you understood what was happening. There, like, yeah. you, you were a child. You were um, meant to be seen and not heard. You didn't have a voice, mm-hmm. right? All of those yeah. things, like, they cause um, what are called micro-traumas. Right there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's not a big trauma, but it is it is something that like, well, I had this big emotion, and my parent told me to, you know, if you want something to cry about, I'll give you something to cry about. Oh yeah, yeah. And and then I was left with this big emotion and feeling alone in in that emotion. Right, yeah. that's a micro trauma because as a child, I don't understand this emotion. I don't understand mm-hmm. what why I'm feeling this way, and as an adult. 
my caregiver said to me that how I'm feeling is wrong, even though they didn't say those yeah. words. Yeah. That's how yeah. it registered in my body. Yeah, exactly. It's how I, I it was always how how I was reacting to something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but but these are my feelings. I'm I'm not mm-hmm. making them up. And so and and it's still these are still things that I'm working on today because I'm trying so hard to give my daughter a different experience. So I'm so glad that you are doing the work that you're doing because these are absolutely topics that we need to talk talk about. So on the subject of microtrauma, I wanted to delve in uh, to this particular subject with you because I know we had been emailing about it. Um, The concept of childhood emotional neglect. So how is this different from other types of childhood abuse and neglect? So... Uh, Dr. Jonas Webb is the mm-hmm. um, the person who has coined childhood emotional neglect. And okay. essentially, I have a hard time with the word neglect, um, mm. even though that's like – that is – when you hear me describe it, you will say, okay, but that kind of is. But when I say the word neglect or when you hear the word neglect, you – yeah you immediately think of like worst case, the child mm-hmm. is left home for days right. on end without any food, without clean diaper, right, the, without a caregiver, right? That's what you think of when, right. when you hear the word neglect. Um, right. But what Dr. Jonas Webb was getting at with childhood and emotional neglect is that children have emotions. Children experience the full range of emotions. And if we're going off Brene Brown's emotions, I think there's what, 86 or 87 emotions that she has identified, right? Mm-hmm. And children experience 100% of them. Um, mm-hmm. And and all at the same time, sometimes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, yep. Yes, they do. <laughs> and they don't understand what those emotions are. They don't Mm -hmm. understand the sensation in your body because an emotion is a sensation. An emotion is not the meaning that we attach to it. It is like what is going on in your body um, at the time that that you feel it. And when you're two, three, four, seven years old, even as a teenager, I would argue that we go through that same cycle again when you start, you know, going through um, adolescence you're you're not understanding those sensations in your body. You're not understanding what is going on. And so you look to a caregiver, you look to an adult to say to like help me with this because this is terrifying to me. Yeah. This has completely overwhelmed my system. I need help. Mm-hmm. And when our caregivers are unable to do that for us, either yeah. because they haven't done it for themselves mm-hmm. or yeah. because yeah. they yeah. they don't have the time for it, right? If you mm-hmm. grew up in a single parent home and like like I did, my mom was working four jobs with three mm-hmm. kids under the age of 7, mm-hmm. but she didn't have time for emotions. I don't she, sure. there's no time for tears. Like lock it yeah. up. We got to get out the door. Um right. <laughs> and so that piece of not paying attention and not helping a child process what is going on in their body is what is the childhood emotional neglect. And Mm. what happens is the child learns, oh, this sensation in my body, it's bad. Shove it down. Don't feel it. Don't feel it. Don't feel it. And then every time it comes up, we try to numb it out. Right, I mm-hmm. I am a firm believer, just like uh, Dr. De Gabor Mate is that addiction is stems from this because you're trying to numb out that 
that feeling. Addiction stems from trauma, right? Because you're trying to not feel that thing that is going on inside of your body, right? So we see things like addiction. We see things like divorce rates, right? Look at our divorce rates there. You have a better chance of getting divorced than you do staying married. Um, You're you have trouble in friendships. You can't keep Mm -hmm. a job. You're a people pleaser. Um, You are easily explosive, right? These are all signs that you don't know how to process your emotions. And they're all signs that you weren't taught how to process your emotions. You're not born knowing how to feel and process and move through your emotions. That's what the adults are for. And like I said, if the adult's can't do it for themselves, they're not going to be able to help the children do it. And so that's our generation right now is we're trying to show up as gentle parents, right? There's this whole big like gentle, conscious, (laughs) respectful parenting. And it's like, well, okay, that's not going to work if you don't first know how to to process what's going on for you. Because essentially what you're doing when you're trying to tune into your child and their big emotions but yeah. you're feeling like completely activated and, exactly. and on high, right? You are stuffing down. You are continuing to traumatize yourself because you're stuffing down that emotion to try to meet your child's emotional needs. And then what, what ends up happening is you explode later on, yes. right? I spend a lot of time talking about mom rage. And one of the biggest oh, yeah. triggers of mom rage is this like, we're trying to gentle parent. So we stuff it down, stuff it down. We're, you know, we're here. I'm... I'm so with you. I'm supporting you. I'm validating you and I'm here. And then you're, you're just like, wow, yeah. <laughs> because, you, I, because you didn't do anything with your own emotions. I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm not saying that gentle parenting is, a, is, is bad because I mm-hmm. do believe in it, but it only seems to work with a very certain small subset of people because it does as much as I've tried for years to use that approach with my daughter, it doesn't work for two reasons. One is because I'm still healing my own inner child. And so I still get triggered whenever she, it's exactly what you just described. I get so triggered when she has her big feelings and here I am trying to let her have those emotions, but Mm -hmm. I still don't quite know how to, how to handle them. Mm -hmm. And the second reason is, um, because my daughter is neurodivergent. I, I do not find that a lot of these trendy parenting experts, I do not find that the majority of their advice applies Mm -hmm. to my situation because, um, yeah, with all due respect to people like Dr. Becky, Mm -hmm. I, her advice does not work for me and my daughter because my daughter, for lack of a better term, I don't like to use the term special needs, but she does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is really difficult um, yeah. for for children, uh, neurodivergent children, um, yeah. and especially for the parents. And and yeah. if you are a parent of a neurodivergent child, yes, the the inner work is all that much more important um, yes. because yes. Y- your child requires a level of patience and understanding from you. That if you didn't get that as a child, if you didn't have the space to feel and process and felt safe in feeling your emotions, when your child has these, it has their, their big explosive moments or like the high anxiety and you know, like whatever their behavior is, it, you won't be able to stay present with them 
as much as they need it. Um, yeah. and, and like going back to what you said at the, at the very beginning of like, you need to care for yourself first yeah. before you can yeah. care for your child. Yeah. This, the work that I do is part of that. Um, yeah. you know, I, m- both, both of my children, um, well, I mean, my youngest one is not two yet, so it's, you right. know, jury's still out there, but they're, <laughs> they're um, they are developing normally, um, yeah. like, you know, they, they don't have any, um, of the ADD, ADHD or, or yeah. OCD, like any, any of, of that, but it's still because I don't, didn't have that foundation, uh, of, mm-hmm. um, emotional awareness when my children are having their big emotions. Um, you know, my, when my daughter who's a tween and she's struggling to make a decision, I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. Come on, make a decision. Let's go. Right. Like- <laughs> right. Exactly. I, exactly. I, and it, I totally get that. Yeah. Right. And it's just like this, this constant, um, you have to have the awareness, um, to, to recognize like, Oh, here's that sensation in my body again, where I'm getting impatient. What are the strategies that I can put in place so that I'm able to sit with her uh, to yeah. walk through this? Um, and it, yeah. it's it's really hard work. It really it, is. It it <laughs> absolutely is. I would just love it uh, if you could just talk a little bit more about what you do um, in your work, so people can get a better idea of uh, what th- what they're in for if they decide to work with you. Yeah. So. Um, Essentially what I what I do is I work with my clients. The first thing that we do is we talk about building awareness. Yeah. Um you can't change anything that you're not aware of. And so mm-hmm. if you are um if you are emotionally reactive but you don't understand what's going on in your body, you don't feel your body, um, you're not going to be able to change it, right? If you're trying to change your diet or you're trying to save more money, you first have to have that awareness of um, I'm eating really unhealthy and I don't feel great. Um, Or I am, my finances are a mess and I'm in debt and I'm trying to get out of debt, right? You have that awareness of the problem. And so now you have to you can take steps to move forward. And the same yeah. thing holds true for uh, our inner child and our our big emotions that we're unable to process um, and end up having like all these other these other symptoms. So yeah. bringing your awareness back into your body is going to be the first step. Mm-hmm. You um I work with my clients to help them to start to pay attention to when they check out, right? When they're in um, a a highly emotional. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> we are a parent and kid friendly podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you are, um, when you're, you're feeling overwhelmed and when you mm-hmm. find that like you're scrolling on your phone or you're overindulging in a food or a drink, like you have checked out, I call it detaching. When you have detached mm-hmm. from the situation what is the sensation going on in your body? Where do you feel that detachment in your body? Do you is it a heavy chest? Is it um, are you tense in the jaw? Are you tense in your shoulders? Like where and and for every emotion, it might be different, right? You might for your nervousness, it might be in in your stomach, but your anger and your frustration might be in your chest and your fists and your jaw, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's building that library of awareness so that when you are in a situation 
you can tune into your body and you can notice like, oh, there's that tightness in my chest again. And usually when I feel that tightness in my chest, the next thing out of my mouth is not going to be a productive statement. So let me take a deep breath and just not say anything right now. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, it's all about that awareness because you cannot do that until you, you've brought the awareness uh, mm-hmm. to your body. Um, I actually just yeah posted a reel on Instagram about this happening for me. Um, this is, it's a journey, right? It, this is something that like you just say, Oh, like I, I now know that I carry my anger in my chest. And so Mm -hmm. now I won't be angry anymore. Like that's not, that's not how it works. (laughs) Typically, (laughs) typically what happens is like, okay, we build the awareness and we notice that we have that sensation after we've already exploded. And we're like, mm-hmm. oh, I did it again. And then you build yes. more awareness. And then you're able yes. to say like, okay, this was the thing that was going on around me that triggered me. So now I'm going to like add that to my library of knowledge about myself. Yeah. And then eventually you'll bring that awareness to like you're mid shouting at somebody and you're like, oh, hmm. This is not coming out the way that I want it to. I'm going to go take a break. And yeah. you can con- you can like literally redirect yourself. You do a 180 in the middle of an argument. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then eventually you bring that awareness to right before you're about to, to detach from the situation. And so I just posted a reel about about this where my son was doing something um, and I, I was distracted washing the dishes and I hear a sound and I look over at him and I see that he was hitting our plants with a ukulele and, (laughs) and, and I shouted his name like, like really sharply and like loud, like it was an angry shout and he froze in his spot. And from the, the moment that his name left my lips to me seeing him freeze in his spot, which was like milliseconds, yeah. My body, my awareness kicked in and said, no, 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 nope. Take a yeah. deep breath. Take a yeah. deep breath. And yeah. I just put my hand on my chest and I I took a deep breath in and I was able to redirect my own behavior because what was about to come out of my mouth was like, what are you doing? You know better. You should, but he doesn't know better. He's at no. the time was, you know, 20 months old, right? So right. like, no, exactly. he, he doesn't exactly. know better. The, the yeah. ukulele is making a great sound against these plants, mom. Look, <laughs> look at this fun thing I just discovered I could do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's not, that wasn't going to be my knee jerk, like my reaction to it. My knee jerk reaction was to light him up. Um, yeah. and because of the awareness that I built, I was able to stop myself before I did it. Right. But that yeah. is, years of practice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still working on it. <laughs> and it, and I'm not always perfect, right? There there's there's going to be times when like when I do bite back and then yeah. I, I then I'm like, "Oh, shoot. I did yeah. it again." And yeah. then I have to then I go and I do the repair and and you know, sit with my my kids, even my my son. And, you know, even though he's, he's so little, I sit with him, pull him in my lap, explain to him that this is something that I'm working on and that, you know, um, and, and you repair with them. Um, but I, so yes, I always start with my clients with that building the awareness and then yes. we work on the nervous system regulation. And so mm. essentially when you are, um, when you are triggered, you are, mm-hmm are activating 
an unprocessed emotion in your body. And so if you were to think of um, an emotion in your body like a circle or stress in your body, like the emotion causes a stress in your body, mm-hmm. and you think of it like a circle, your base, like where you want to be is at the bottom of the circle. And when you're triggered, you're up at the top of the circle. And okay. when you have an unprocessed emotion in your body, you're left at the top of the circle. Your body is left Mm -hmm. waiting for that threat so that it can react. It can protect you um, Mm -hmm. because it hasn't come back down. And so Mm -hmm. I work with my clients to help them to close that cycle, to close close Mm -hmm. off that emotion, to process the emotion, to let it move through their body and to reprogram the message that comes with it. Um, And so... Essentially, when you feel that you're activated, you want to um, you want to activate the uh, vagus nerve, which uh, it's mm-hmm. that's a big uh, big term right now. That, you know, all over yes. social media, you hear about the the, yeah. the vagus nerve. Yeah, the the vagus nerve is going to um, help you to come back into your parasympathetic nervous system, which is where the rest and digest, right? That's what it's parasympathetic nervous system is the rest and digest. It's where your body is able to recover. Um, and so when we activate that vagus nerve, you can help your body to activate the parasympathetic nervous system so that you can recover from these emotional triggers and, and that activation. And so we do things like Shouting, which is why shouting is so um, relieving, right? That that's why, yeah. like you, yeah. you feel like you like there was a release after you shout yes. because you yes. are activating that that vagus nerve. But we want to find mm. something that is um, healthier, um, that is not damaging to your relationships, um, yeah. and so things like um, singing, mm-hmm. even shouting into a pillow. Um, mm-hmm sighing loudly, like you take a deep breath in and then you, uh, right? Like that, that is activating that, that vagus nerve, um, dancing, shaking it out. Um, all of these things, right? Right. If you think of a time, like, um, let's say that you're driving in the car and the person in front of you slams on their brakes and you instinctively slam on your brakes, your body is flooded, with um with hormones right and you can yeah. feel the tingly sensation in in your body right that is your your body trying to um regulate itself right you start shaking that the body yeah. will naturally like if you are um if you process an emotion in real time if you process a trauma in real time part of that process will involve this involuntary shaking because that is your Mm -hmm. body's way of bringing you back into that rest and digest. Um, And so you can simulate that by dancing, by shaking it out. Um, And so I teach my, my clients all of these different strategies and things that they can do. Like if you have your, your two-year-old with you and you can't leave the room, what can you do? Well, we can roar like, like a lion. We can have a dance party. Right. And these are all things that your kid is going to think are fantastic, but really it's you (laughs) trying to care for yourself. (laughs) I love that. That is Awesome. 
That is so great because I feel like when you're in the moment, you would never think of something like that. Mm -mm. And I still don't, even though I've been exposed to all these different kinds of strategies. I mean, I still have the same kinds of issues. And, you know, going back to what you said before, um, I love that my daughter and I do have the kind of relationship where we can sit down together and she can tell me like, I don't like that you did that. And I can apologize mm -hmm. and say, I'm sorry. I'm, I am working on this, but, um, well, with our situation, you know, I try to, you know, explain to her that, you know, we, we have, we all have to work together to mm -hmm. make everything work. You know, you, there are some things that you're learning right now and that I'm learning. So, um, that's wonderful. So what I would uh, like to do is, um, because this podcast is called Emotional Abuse is Real, yep. <laughs> um, to bring it back to that subject. So how would you say that healing our inner child um, help adults become less susceptible to things like emotional abuse? Right. Um, so going back to that microtrauma of childhood yeah. emotional neglect, um, sure. When you are not aware of your own emotions, when you um, struggle to be uh, to be able to identify how you're feeling, or even so, essentially, what happens is like if you're a child and um, you are consistently told um, that it's not a big deal. This, yep. what you're feeling is not a big deal. Stop crying. Not a big deal. Not a big, right? Even mm -hmm. if those words weren't said, if that was the message that you received, it's not a big deal. Essentially what happens oh, is God. that you stop trusting your own emotions. You don't trust the way that you feel. You lose touch with your intuition, right? Your body knows. Your body will always tell you the truth, but your mind has now convinced you that what your body's feeling is not true because of what you heard for so many years as a child. And again, like the caveat, we're not saying that your parents are bad people, right? Like nope, that nope, this nope, is nope. really important. Um, not at all. But the you become detached from your intuition. You become detached from your own knowing. And so that makes you more susceptible for abusive, emotionally abusive, physically abuse, abusive relationships mm. later on down the line because you don't trust that gut instinct, right? We all have that gut, gut instinct. We yeah. meet somebody and we instinctively know this is good for me, this is not good for me. But if you're not listening to it, you can start to minimize your concerns, right? You ignore the red flags mm -hmm. and yeah. you keep going forward because you're like, no, no, that must, no, no, I must be wrong. I must be wrong. And then- yeah you find yourself in these situations of um, emotional abuse, of um, losing your voice, of becoming um, completely controlled by a partner. Um, yeah. And they will essentially, like they will continue to um, build on that emotional neglect, right? There's so much gaslighting going on. And so even if you bring so up your concerns and you say like, I didn't like when you did this thing that, well, I didn't do that thing. Like, no, that's your mm -hmm. fault. Right. You, so like, we all yes. know what it's like to be gaslit, especially if you've, yes. if you are an emotional abuse survivor or you are currently in an emotionally abusive relationship, you know what that feels like. And yes. so if you 
focus on healing your inner child, if you allow yourself to feel the emotions, to understand the sensations in your body and start to reconnect with your inner child, you, number one, if you are if you have gotten out of an emotionally abusive relationship and you do this healing work, you are less likely to fall into another emotionally abusive relationship, right? Like yeah. we, we all have these patterns where, where we find like, well, I chose this person again. Like, how do I keep ending up in this situation? Uh, coming out of re- a relationship, once you have freed yourself from that situation, focusing on that healing will make you less susceptible in in the future. Um, And also, so much of of the healing is also extending yourself the grace and not beating yourself up for how could I have done this again? Yep. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's so true, everything that you just said. And because um, when you, you gave the example of stop crying, um, this actually, my, my parents never said this to me. They never said that to me at all. But um, I do have a very, very strong memory of a family member telling me that when I was bawling my eyes out and it stayed with me. Those kinds of moments really do scar you, you, mm-hmm. I mean, for that, I absolutely believe that that was a moment where I was, and that that stayed with me. That told me your feelings are completely invalid. Mm-hmm. They are complete, and 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 I spent a really long time not trusting myself. And I, I, I always say it, it, it's only been in recent years that I've learned to, to trust my feelings and my emotions. So however, you know, whatever way you do get help, whether it's with you or with a therapist, healing this inner child is vital, mm-hmm. I think, to anyone's happiness, whether you're, whether you're a parent or you're not a parent. It, that does that part does not matter. So I also just wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're um, welcome. So I mostly hang out on Instagram. Um, Yay, my me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, my Instagram handle is uh, at Healing Parent Coach. Um, Sorry, I blanked on on that. So <laughs> that's okay. You know, we have so you know we have so many different social media handles that yes. how the hell is anyone supposed to keep track of any of that? Um, right. Well, of course, I'm going to include everything in the show notes, but I want to give you the opportunity to um, say how you would prefer to be contacted mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, anything that you want to tell the listeners about what you offer uh, and things like that. Yeah, sure. Um, yes. So Instagram, uh, at healing parent coach and, uh, also on my website, um, healingparent.com. Um, I have a, um, a free guide that talks about, uh, signs that your inner child needs healing and what you can do about it. Um, that's available on my website and also, um, I have a mom rage masterclass. So if you are a parent and you are struggling with um, that explosiveness of parenting that a lot of people don't like to talk about, I am all about talking about it. So come on over and join me. There's a download on my my homepage as well for that. Um, 
It's great, everybody. I can give a personal <laughs> plug. Uh, Serene Leads of Emotional Abuse is Real has taken the free mom rage masterclass, and I highly recommend it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Sure. Um, and 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 yes, it, whether you are a a mom or you are are not a mom, the emotional the I'm sorry, the inner child healing uh, process, the work that I do um, is so incredibly power, powerful because essentially, um, as a parent coach, I'm teaching you how to reparent yourself, how to give mm-hmm. yourself that the love and the understanding and the grace and the compassion that you needed when you were a younger child that maybe you didn't get. Yeah. Wonderful. Tina, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I'm so glad that we've connected and that you were able to come on the podcast and talk to me. Yes. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Serene. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Tina Hamilton on Emotional Abuse is Real. If you would like to connect with Tina and learn more about her services as an inner child healing and parenting coach, I've left links to her website and social media in the show notes. If you would like to share your own emotional abuse story here on the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out at hello at sereneleadsrights.com, our Facebook page, Emotional Abuse is Real, or through Instagram at sereneleadsrights. Please note that this podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional mental health services. If you are a victim of emotional abuse and need help, please call or text the Suicide and Crisis Hotline at 988 or call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. You can also text START S-T-A-R-T to 88788. Once again, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you can, please support us through our Buy Me a Coffee page. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.